This is WGRE 91.5 FM, Greencastle, Indiana. Good evening and welcome to Music for Life, music from DePaul. In this episode, our last before DePaul's Thanksgiving break, Orsinath Smith stops in to update us on a very special DePaul orchestra tradition. With the chamber music class performances coming up, Eric Edberg comes by to talk about what that's going to involve. Hannah talks to some of her opera scenes classmates about their upcoming recital. And we talk to several of our ensemble directors about our fifth annual holiday gala coming up in just a couple of weeks. There are lots of exciting things going on in the DePauw School of Music, and we're glad you could join us for Music for Life. The DePaul University Orchestra has sort of a Thanksgiving tradition wherein they perform on the Monday night before Thanksgiving break. This year, that's going to be November 23rd, and joining me to talk about it is Orchestra Director Professor Orsinath Smith. Welcome. Hello, Matt. Hi. Thanks for coming. Thank you for asking me. Well, you're welcome. (laughs) What's on the program? Well, as you mentioned, the University Orchestra likes to play during Thanksgiving week because it's a very powerful time, generally, as we move into the several holiday seasons that are represented by Thanksgiving and then the wider kind of conversation about holidays and Christmas, et cetera. And emotionally, students that go away to college and come back to home have different emotions that represent their own development and their growth in becoming a young adult and how they're brought back into the family unit, let's say, and the continuing expectations on them as uh, from parents or how parents acknowledge the children's development and the, the, the young people have new friends at school, et cetera. So we like to kind of revisit all of those emotions with some eye to the past and some eye to the future. Okay. So the eye to the past and the idea about emotional structure is represented by Johann Sebastian Bach's Brandenburg Concerto Number no. 3. Now, we know a lot about Bach being essentially a sacred composer, and yet uh, a lot of his music was secular in that uh, he wrote pieces as commissions for various people, or he wrote keyboard works, which represented uh, how keyboard technique was to be developed. And he received a commission from the Margrave of Brandenburg to send him some instrumental pieces, which he kept that project at bay for quite some time and then finally finished it. But what's remarkable about these Brandenburg concertos is that they represent the older concerto form that was developing from the Italian side, from composers like Vivaldi and Corelli and Torelli. But he expanded them, usually in instrumentation. But what's fascinating is that there's also a balance of form and content. And what's really unique about the third Brandenburg Concerto, which is one of his most famous Brandenburg Concertos, is that it meets the criteria of the Concertino Ripieno, or the soloists and the background orchestra, but it expands it to the fact that 
he combines the entire orchestra as a set of soloists. So there are actually three different violin parts, three different viola parts, three different cello parts, and a bass part, and a harpsichord part. And these soloists are in nine different parts, plus the bass part and the harpsichord part. So in fact, the soloists themselves are a part of the full ensemble that accompany each other. So we have a conversation that includes three different violin parts that are conversing with each other, as well as three different viola parts that are conversing with themselves, as well as the three different violin parts, and the three different cello parts that are conversing with themselves, as well as the violins and the viola parts and the bass part also and the harpsichord part, which plays the harmonic function. And I thought it was just about but a dump. It is two sixteenth notes and an eighth note, and that's the motivic <laughs> element that drives the whole thing. And then uh, there's this very odd second movement, which has musicological controversy written all over it. It's it, pretty short. It's a frigid cadence. <laughs> it's two notes. Um, and some people improvise over it, and some people just say it's a point of repose before launching into the last movement, which is thousands of notes played by everybody in this wonderful cascading line that goes up and down, and then it meets the need of all the different nine soloists as well. So this emotional structure is the way that this kind of starts and that, you know, Life has been about, one would suppose, structures that have been developed from the family unit moving forward, et cetera, and how young people move into different social environments. And there's structures that start up there. But box music is very satisfying from a structural standpoint because of this balance of form where there are certain key areas that it moves to, and then it comes back feeling like home. It's also terrific fun to listen to because it's so exuberant. Yes, and we've expanded the uh, texture to include the entire string section divided up into those nine parts plus the bass part and the harpsichord part. So it's a very vibrant sound. We're having the violins and violas stand to mm-hmm. play to give their bodies more energy in the music. And we're doing this performance conductorless, like the example that we saw in Far Cry, the visiting orchestra that was here in the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that we're trying to develop in 21CM is this nature of collaboration. So think about all those string players trying to play exactly together without the conductor's beat, using only their ears and their knowledge and the discussions that they've had to bring that uh, work to fruition. It's quite exciting. That seems like quite an exercise. Mm The second work on the program is called the Romantic Symphony, the Symphony Number no. 2 of Howard Hansen, written in the 30s. American composer, formerly dean of the Eastman School of Music, uh, Howard Hansen has a Scandinavian background. So the music touches on uh, some wide open spaces, some beautiful landscapes in its sound, but at the same time it's tinged with emotional aspects. There's conflict and resolution in the music constantly with Mm. these big, beautiful, arching emotional themes filled with harp sounds and long lyric dramatic lines. There are a few horn fanfares that kind of bring us back to the forest, the nature of being in the forest during the day or feeling the landscape have power over us, such Mm -hmm. as we might see in the Germanic background. The music of Brahms has a lot of horn calls in it. Maybe there were alphorns, etc. But Hansen kind of channels a lot of those different things. So we have music of conflict and resolution. We have orchestration that plays out the conversation between heroic, introspective, emotional conflict and emotional resolution. So emotively, that piece is very powerful during this time of year, I believe. But we also have exploration 
as the third component of the concert, and mm-hmm. we're happy to bring this fairly new work to our audiences and to the orchestra, a piece by Mason Bates, who at nighttime is a DJ and during the daytime writes orchestral music, a piece called Mothership, which um, is a wonderful kind of disco beat piece, but it has electronic sounds that represent the arrival or the docking of a spaceship, either in space or on Earth. Hmm. And those electronic sounds are managed by a computer where the cues in the music are then punched into the computer and the computer expresses those sounds through the loudspeaker system, the PA system that's around the orchestra. So the computer sounds become a part of the orchestral fabric in the display of this piece. All right. How's that been to work out? Well, it's very straightforward piece. The only things that we've had to manage were another aspect of our 21CM curriculum, which is that there are improvisations designed by Mason Bates in the large scheme of the piece. And he prepares those improvisatory places by having something he calls docking music. Mm-hmm as though there was the space station that is being docked to this spaceship. And then uh, an individual soloist will play an improvisation. So the music comes with lead sheets, which show the chord function. And so those lead sheets were passed out to any student that wanted to improvise. And the students all get a chance to improvise, those of them that ask to have an opportunity. So those improvisations are woven into... Uh, the fabric of the piece based on the chord sequence, but by design by Mason Bates, who served as composer in residence for the Chicago Symphony recently and is now, as of this fall, the composer in residence at the Kennedy Center. That's quite a resume there. Right, especially for somebody that you would think is just a DJ or somebody who, you know, what kind of music are they actually writing? But I guess it's not just playing records anymore. Right, it is not. So we would hope uh, people will want to come and hear this entire program with all these emotional context, emotional structure and stability, uh, wide-ranging emotional evolution, the feeling of pain, sorrow, excitement, jubilation, and the expansion into new territories, let's say, emotionally with the music of Mason Bates. So we'll be uh, crushed emotionally in time to go home for Thanksgiving. No, you'll be uplifted. Oh, good. Okay. And when is this again? (laughs) Monday night, November the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. in Kresge Auditorium, the DePaul University Orchestra. Well, it sounds like a terrific program, and thanks for coming in to talk about it. Thank you so much. Hello, music lovers, and welcome to the events calendar for the week of November 23rd, which will be the last episode until after fall break. Fall break. Thanksgiving break. On Monday, November 23rd at 7.30, the DePauw University Orchestra will be giving a concert. And then we have break, so enjoy the time spent with your family or otherwise. Coming back from break on Tuesday, December 1st at 7.30 p.m. At Music on the Square, the string and mixed chamber ensembles will be giving their first recital. On Wednesday, December 2nd, Art Music at Almost Home at 6 p.m. will feature bootleg string ensemble. And also on Wednesday, December 2nd at 8 o'clock p.m. in Thompson, DePauw Opera Scenes will be presenting an evening of operetta. 
On Thursday, December 3rd at 7.30, at Music on the Square will be the second String and Mixed Chamber Ensembles concert. On Saturday, December 5th at 1 p.m., juniors Sarah Debien and Gretchen Stibich will be giving a clarinet junior recital. Also this weekend is the fifth annual Holiday Gala, and that will be starting December 5th, Saturday at 7 p.m. Oh, and the second performance will be Sunday, December 6th at 3 p.m. Thank you very much, and have a great break. Student Recital Hour of November 18th, pianist Shiyu Su performs the first movement, Allegro Moderato, from Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's Sonata for Piano No. 10 in C Major, K330. Thank you. 
Coming up on Tuesday, December 1st and Thursday, December 3rd, are our semesterly presentations of recitals by the String and Mixed Chamber Music Ensembles. And joining me to talk about it is cello professor Eric Edberg. Welcome, Eric. Glad to be here, Matt. First of all, String and Mixed Chamber Music. What does that mean? Well, in the case of string chamber music, it means all string players. So we have a string quartet, and we also have a string quartet with an added viola, making a, what we call in the music world a viola quintet. Not okay. five violas, but string quartet with, mm-hmm. with an extra viola. And then when we talk about mixed, we're talking about mixed families of instruments. So this semester, we have a group that is uh, clarinet, violin, cello and piano, and then we have another group that is clarinet, cello, and piano. Anything that's not simply strings is a mixed chamber ensemble. That's right. Like a piano trio, piano, cello, and violin. Exactly. Well, it takes everything we can imagine to make up the world of music. (laughs) And it takes a bold leap of imagination to add a piano to string instruments. And that's one of the things that we're doing to establish ourselves as groundbreaking thought leaders in the world of classical music. So what's on the program, our programs? Well, we have two programs. So the events are happening on Tuesday, December 1st, and Thursday, December 3rd, and they're both happening at our wonderful new space, Music on the Square. Yes, that's exciting. 21 North Indiana Street, which for those of us who... uh, our Greencastle residence is the former Goodwill location. Although I have to say this semester that space has made such an impact on the community that I don't hear anybody saying the old Goodwill building anymore. It's really taken on its own identity. Taken, yeah, very quickly. And I think people are really excited about having such a beautiful space and a space that makes it possible to do so many things. We have moved the concerts there because you know, originally chamber music is it's called chamber music because it was done in in smaller rooms in, in parlors chambers. right and it was not it was only kind of in the late 19th century and the 20th century that people started performing this music for audiences in concert halls well and the the earliest distinction was uh, is it for the chapel or not and uh, chamber music exactly. was, was not for church that's right that's right. So the uh, musica da camera. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is take things a step further. Just besides changing the venue to one that is uh, more urban and comfortable, we're actually going to set up tables like nightclub or cabaret style. So that rather than having the concert and then a reception, we will have food and drink available for people to... <laughs> So it's going to be like a party. It's going to be a chamber music party. Exactly. That's what I'm explaining to the kids. I mean, musicians get together and we have a party and we play chamber music and we share it with each other and we enjoy it. And so we're wanting to capture that same spirit. We're also wanting to just have a taste of new trends in concert promotion. One of the venues that has become very important for chamber music in New York City and one that I have been to many times and used as a case study and uh, courses that I teach is called Le Poisson Rouge, Mm -hmm. which is a basement space in a former jazz club in New York City, which has a bar, it has food service, and during performances of classical music, the audience sits at table, the lights are really low with just tea candles, and it turns out you can really 
seriously listen to music on the highest level and also quietly eat and drink and be sitting in close proximity with the friends that you came to the concert with. So we want to kind of make this as much as possible something like that. So An intimate kind of performance. An intimate kind of performance and one that embraces the social aspect of being at a concert. But it's not like a party in which there's background music. When right. people are performing, they're... It's still they're, the focus of the, the, exactly, the night. Exactly. So what's, uh, what, what are they going to play on the first night? Okay, the Tuesday. first night is a concert by our Asbury String Quartet. This is a quartet of some of our most outstanding students. We have many outstanding students in the School of Music. These are four particular people that we've brought together as a named ensemble. They're all quite experienced and advanced on their instrument, even though two of them are first-year students and two of them are junior performance majors. They're doing close to a whole program that Mm -hmm. includes a Haydn quartet and B-flat major that's known as the Sunrise Quartet because some 19th century commenter thought that the opening of the first movement uh, seemed like a sunrise. One of the great and most popular pieces in the string quartet repertoire. And they've also learned the entire string quartet number three by Philip Glass, which is Mm. music that he wrote as part of the soundtrack for the Paul Schrader film uh, Mishima, which is a a biopic of of the uh, great Japanese writer who who committed suicide. The ritual suicide. Right, at the end of his life when he was uh, was very nationalistic Mm -hmm. and wanted Protesting. um, Yes. So it's a fascinating film. The entire score is by Philip Glass and each movement of the string quartet was used in a flashback scene. So um, I know I know that music because uh, yeah, I knew I saw the movie and loved really it. It's really great. It's really great. And so this is these two works have made a great complement for the students and also because I have a passion for improvisation and I think it part of being a 21st century musician is to create your own music. They have also done a lot of work on improvising and I often improvise with them when we were having coaching sessions. So mm-hmm. there will be probably an improvised set or sets in this concert, and I will join in with them, and we may invite some other students or faculty members who are experienced with the kind of free improvisation that we do uh, to join in with us. And that that creates a little bit more of that, lessening the distinction and the distance between performers and audience members. On Thursday, we have another all-string group, and this is that uh, string quartet with the added viola. What are they playing? They're playing uh, a quintet in C major by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, who himself was a violist, as was Beethoven. And this is one of the great and longest works of late 18th century chamber music. And this is a quartet, or a quintet, rather, has uh, uh, two first-year violists and a first-year cellist, and then uh, two sophomore violinists, and they have taken on the task of playing the entire piece, and this is a really mammoth piece, and uh, I'm, I'm just so admiring of their, their willingness to you know, do the whole thing. Yeah. They, too, have been doing improvisation, and, uh, and I think they're going to start with an improvisation. And on that program, we also have then our mixed groups, one of which is... Uh, uh, as I said before, clarinet, violin, and piano, and they are doing the one uh, trio for that combination of instruments that Beethoven wrote, which, uh, of course, in the there's a very small literature for 
clarinet, violin, and piano, which we call sometimes a clarinet trio. Mm -hmm. There are also clarinet trios that are three clarinets. But this is a beautiful, beautiful work, so it's great to have them playing. And then we have a student group doing something that you rarely hear at an undergraduate university, which is a, a movement from the Messian Quartet for the End of Time. Yeah. Uh, so this has clarinet, violin, cello, and piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are d- doing what is one of the most rhythmically complex movements in all of strictly notated chamber music, the Fury of Seven Trumpets movement, where the group plays in continually changing meter where the beats are of different lengths and there's no often no steady underlying pulse in unison. And they've mm-hmm. been working all semester on this. And one of the players has had some health issues, so their rehearsal time, as all four of them, has sometimes been limited. So, so it's even more challenging. Yeah, it's even more challenging that way. And on that program, it's a little bit uh, short. So Tarn Travers, our fantastic new violin professor, and I are going to play a duet also. So Can you tell us what it is? Uh, no, because it's a secret. Ha- it's you a haven't secret. figured it out. It's yet. a secret <laughs> surprise. I'm, no, of course we uh, have okay. figured it out. We have figured out that it's going to be a secret surprise. So, all right. Um, so we're excited about doing. And then again, just like improvising with the students, we're going to play on the same program with the students. We think it's really a wonderful thing to do to have students and faculty performing together. And we're really uh, Tarn and I are both excited about trying this new format. This is the, We haven't done any official student concert that is part of a course. All the students are registered for a chamber music course that you know counts towards graduation. We haven't mm-hmm. done anything in this kind of format, and it is very much part of exploring the question of what does it mean to be a 21st century musician, because more and more people are doing house concerts mm-hmm. and doing concerts in club where there's food and drink mm-hmm. and, and socializing. Alternative sorts of Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, that's a terrific experience. And it's so fantastic that, that we have this wonderful space in which we can try uh, try that out. And I, yeah. the, the, I think the only person it may be a little bit of an inconvenience for is the recording engineer who will have to set up the re, uh, equipment Yeah, there. those guys yeah. always have it the, yeah, the hardest. I know. So we'll, uh, I'll probably uh, tip somebody. You know. <laughs> How nice. Okay, well, again, this is going to be on Tuesday, December 1st at 7.30 mm-hmm. p.m. and Thursday the 3rd at 7.30 in Music on the Square, which That's is right. at 21 North Indiana Street. That's in, right, right at the right on the, the square corner of uh, Indiana and Franklin Streets. Uh-huh. You know, there's lots of parking around there, and uh, like all the student concerts, it's free admission. So I think we're going to have a lot of interest in this, and it's going to be a really great time. I'm sure we will. And thank you very much for coming in to talk about it. You're most welcome. Hello everyone, with me in the studio today I have senior Yazid Pierce Gray. Hi Yazid. Hi. Hello, and I have a sophomore Elizabeth Brunel. Hello. Hello. So you guys are both vocalists and you are here today to talk to me about the upcoming Opera Scenes concert. Yes. (laughs) So the Opera Scenes concert is December 2nd, which is a Wednesday, and it's at 8, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. The theme for this year's Opera Scenes class is Operetta. How excited are you? I know I'm excited. I love Operetta. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited for this concert. It's something that we haven't really done since I've been here. 
Um, and I think it's very beneficial for us as students to learn about this. It's a different way of singing, but it still requires the technique that we're learning here at this university. And it will definitely help in the future because a lot of people will make their careers off performances of shows like this and scenes like this. So it's very exciting. And I enjoy it too. It's very funny. Like if everyone comes, they'll just be in their seats laughing the entire night. <laughs> So you're saying that operetta requires sort of a different technique for singers. Can you go into that further, explain some of that? Yeah, so when people think of opera, they think of a large sound, heavy voices, big orchestration and things like that. But with operetta, it's a bit lighter and it's not as heavy singing, but you still need to know how to sing in a healthy way. It's closer to musical theater, but older musical theater, not mm -hmm. what you hear today, like rock yeah. musicals and things like that. It's taking your technique and kind of having more control over all of it and being able to make it sound operatic and more classical mm -hmm. without it being so big and loud and in your face and things like that. <laughs> yeah. So, Elizabeth, mm -hmm. uh, can you uh, give us a hint at some of the scenes that we're going to see at this concert? Well... The two scenes that I have more major parts in are kind of very contrasting in that one of them, I'm this overtly sexual and very flirty character. Mm -hmm. And then in the other, I'm a timid little sister who's just afraid of the world and wants to go home. It's very contrasting. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Contrasting characters. Yes, yeah, so and what about you? What's like your favorite scene that you're looking forward to? <laughs> I think my favorite scene would have to be the fly duet from Orpheus and the Underworld. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I just think it's funny to pretend to be a fly because mm -hmm. he actually is a fly at that moment. And <laughs> it's, a, it's supposed to be this love duet where I'm seducing Eurydice <laughs> and I'm hopping around stage and I'm going to have a big fly butt and wings and <laughs> eyes. And so I think... That's the most fun for me. As far as singing, the most challenging and most beneficial, I guess, in a sense, or something that I kind of overcame with my technique was my scenes with Mary Widow. Ah, um, yep. <laughs> yep. No, you understand that <laughs> I too. Do. And I think that one is the closest out of all the scenes that we come to what people would think of opera today. It sits very high in my voice and... Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of technique and learning how to sing up there and do it well. So, mm -hmm. But it's been a lot of fun to prepare it. That's really awesome. I know I am looking forward to the back-to-back -back Gilbert and Sullivan <laughs> <laughs> Every time we do that in class, I'm always right there listening and singing <laughs> along. I love it. I love it. Um, so is there any other things you guys want to say? Maybe, Elizabeth, you have any added little fun things people can look out for? Do you want to, like, share well, it's kind of funny. In one of the scenes, I get to be dragged on the ground yeah. and get to sing with someone literally dragging me. That's fun. Yeah, Stephen Linville, the director, he's, uh, <laughs> he has been pushing the limits on yeah. like what people can do while singing. For sure. Yeah, like what, what are some of the scenes? I know you're in like a few of the numbers, but like mm -hmm. what are the things that people have to do while singing? <laughs> I think Marin at one point has to sing a really high note, like a high C or something while she's doing some sort of fancy lift of some sort <laughs> like she's standing on people's legs or something mm -hmm. i don't envy her that 
<laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to do that. Oh man, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's pushing the limits. It's sure to be an exciting concert mm-hmm. for everyone. All right, uh, thank you guys so much for talking with me this morning. And once again, the concert is December 2nd, which is a Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. in Thompson. All right. Thank you so much, Yazid. Thank you. And thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for having us. I'm Kevin Days, and you're listening to Music for Life. From the Student Recital Hour of November 18th, pianist Eric Heaton performs the first and fifth of Johannes Brahms' Sechs Klavierstücke, Opus 118.
On December 5th and 6th, we bring back the annual favorite, the Holiday Gala, will be produced here in the School of Music and the Green Center for the Performing Arts. And here to chat with me about this upcoming extravaganza are three of our illustrious professors and presenters on this program. Dr. Paré, welcome. Thank you. Our Director of Bands, our Director of Orchestras, Orsina Smith, welcome. Thank you. And our cello professor, Eric Edberg, welcome. Hi. So. Every year we're trying to find some way to put this major event on with so many forces performing. There's almost more people on the stage than there are in the audience, you'd think. And we have large ensembles and small ensembles and solos and the whole bit. Tell us your role in this. So let's start with cello. Well, I think this is the third or fourth year that in a row that we've had the cello ensemble, which is all the cello majors and myself uh, playing. And this year, I think you could call it Cello Goes Pops. Uh, <laughs> and we are going to do arrangements by one of our students here, Rebecca Byers, of Mariah Carey's hit, All I Want for Christmas is You, and also the classic, You're a Mean One, Mr. <laughs> and these arrangements that Rebecca wrote for us last year when the cello ensemble and other ensembles had the opportunity to go play at the White House. Right. And right. so we thought, well, we, we want to revive these, and this will just be a really great thing to add to the program. Yeah, it's a great change in sonic texture with a lighter group and also great fun. You, know, yes. you guys always bring something to the stage. Now, as I understand, the orchestra opens this year, is that right? Yes, and of course, uh, part of uh, what we all do is try to fit the program together. So Janice Bagwell, who's the executive producer, is uh, trying to bring the band, the orchestra, the choirs, the chamber music groups together to make a program that works from one piece to the next. So that there are lots of challenges. Sometimes if you go first on the program, it's easier because you get a chance to do what you <laughs> get to do and everybody else has to struggle. But part, uh, part of uh, the initiative this year is the connection to Little Women, mm -hmm. which we're doing campus-wide. And so I was able to find some music from the movie Little Women that uh, stars Winona Ryder. Mm. And it's the main title, the main theme of the movie called Orchard House. Music by Thomas Newman, very evocative, uh, very lovely, and it fits in the season very well. That's the second piece on the program. The first piece on the program is a fanfare called Festival Fanfare for Christmas by John Wasson, and it was premiered by the Dallas Symphony Orchestra, mm. and it features four trumpets and a lot of excitement and a few sacred and secular uh, themes from Christmas. Cool. Now, one year the orchestra opens and the band closes, and the next year the band opens and the orchestra closes. This time the band wraps up our show. So what's up your sleeve there, Dr. We've Burke? got some traditional pieces that I think the community enjoys hearing. March mm -hmm. of the Toys, Sleigh Ride, yeah. uh, Nights Medley from uh, the Polar Express, which the orchestra did in the last year or two. And we hear that Santa might be making an appearance right. on Sunday, so we have some music <laughs> to accompany him and are sing along with some beautiful carols. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of the whole festival is that at the end, we all get together and sing some carols and uh, get the chance for us to all participate in kind of the come home to DePauw, come home to Greencastle kind of kickoff to the holiday season. So it's not to be missed. It's always a packed house. It's Saturday night at 7 p.m. and Sunday afternoon at 3. You can get tickets online and at the box office. Thanks for coming in to chat about it. Thank, Thank you. you. to be here. And ho, ho, ho. The most wonderful time of year is right around the corner. And here at DePauw, that means the Holiday Gala is even closer. 
Among the ensembles that are going to be performing is the percussion ensemble. And joining me to talk about what they're going to be doing is Professor Bonnie Whiting. Welcome, Bonnie. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for coming. So what's going on? Well, we are going to do a percussion ensemble arrangement of Meli Kaliki Maka, which you may or may not know means Merry Christmas in Hawaiian. And we're very excited about it. It's going to be a bit of a mallet percussion feature. We're going to have uh, two marimba players and xylophone. And we'll also have um, a bit of Latin percussion in the background. We're going to make a really cool arrangement that is loosely based on the classic version that Bing Crosby does. Okay, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Now, when I think about Hawaiian music, I think about ukuleles and uh, slack key guitars. How is this working? Well, I don't think we're going to necessarily invite any ukulele or guitar players to join us. But one thing that we'd like to do is to take some of our fabulous collection of woodblocks and integrate that into the piece. Because when I think of traditional Hawaiian music, there is a lot of interlocking woodblock patterns and the sound of kind of singing wood. Not necessarily, you know, traditional marimbas and xylophones like we think about in so many cultures, but there's absolutely some singing wood that happens. So we're looking forward to adding some woodblocks to our version and making it truly percussive Christmas celebration. Well, that's a really fun song, and uh, I think it's going to be a a great addition to the gala. Thanks. Uh, Now, there are two performances of the holiday gala, as always. There's the Saturday night, which is going to be at 7 p.m., and the Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Are you guys performing on both of those? We are. All right. Well, and that's going to be in Kresge Auditorium, Saturday night, December 5th at 7 p.m., and Sunday the 6th at 3 p.m. Thank you so much for coming in to tell us about this. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We've been talking to several folks involved with the production of our annual holiday gala, a most loved event here at DePaul and in Greencastle. And our choir director, Dr. Christina Berger, presents two groups because she has both the university chorus and the chamber singers, and she's joining me in the studio. Thanks for coming in. You're welcome. So what will you be performing on this extravaganza? Well, the chamber singers, I'm happy to say, are going to be singing a piece that when I was a freelancer, I used to sing with my sextet when oh. we were on tour every Christmas and we recorded it. And I kind of don't want to divulge what that is yet. Okay, but, there's a secret um, <laughs> you must come to find out. Yeah, it's just that it's such a pleasurably vocal, lyrical thing to sing. And I think my students are really going to enjoy it. So it's just a, a pleasure to be able to share something that gave me a lot of singing pleasure oh, that's uh, good. Christmas after Christmas. The big so. review coming up, you have to come to find out what that is. Exactly. Okay, so what can you review? without having to kill us. I can tell you that the University Chorus will be starting to rehearse today on a new edition, Hot Off the Press, which is my laptop, <laughs> of a, an arrangement that I've made for them of the African-American Christmas spiritual Rise Up, Shepherd, and Follow. Ooh, cool. Yeah, That's really, just such great. great material. Yeah, that is great material. And also, we're going to collaborate. We have a, a very talented young harp student uh, yes, in our do. student body this year, uh, came to us this year. His name is Roland Ferrer. Mm-hmm. 
And so there's this marvelous Christmas music by Benjamin Britten on old on medieval English texts oh, yeah. called The Ceremony of Carols, and it's been adapted. It was originally written for treble chorus, but it's been adapted for mixed chorus. So we're going to take a movement from there. This is for chorus and harp. So ah, that was a no-brainer. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that collaboration. That's be really special. Yeah. That'll be a really special moment in the show, too. Yeah. And then we have some other shenanigans that we're responsible for. I'm, I'm not going to talk about those either. All right. <laughs> so it's going to be a really exciting event. The community and the university love this, and... We're looking forward to those tricks you've hidden up your sleeve, and thanks for coming in to chat about it. You're welcome. From their concert of November 18th, the DePaul Jazz Ensemble, directed by Steve Snyder, performs Bob Mincer's March Majestic.
It's music for life.